are listening to episode number 74 of the Water and Stone Church Podcast. I'm Jenny Randolph. And I'm Dieter Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice. I have to say that it feels like probably a manlier voice that's coming out of me now. There's like a depth and a gravitas that, that I'm exuding. I'm sure it's... Do you feel like there's there's more testosterone Yeah, just your in body general. And... The word is gusto, I think. <laughs> I, I, I think you're a little hairy. Was I too. strutting around a little yeah, bit? Yeah, a little bit. Well, and the reason for that is, as we, I think we've said here and there on the podcast that that we've got a fence in our backyard and we've been doing things. That on Tuesday the men's group came over and built the fire pit. I know I talked a little bit about that 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 was going to happen last week, and they did an amazing job. And yeah, I, I was so I was so happy with it, and it was so so exciting to see them do that. And you would have thought. That they built the Eiffel Tower. Hey, it was amazing. And you know, they came it's just a guy thing. And, this is a guy thing. You know, yeah, we it was, built it was we amazing. built the thing. You know, we're sh- we're so shut off from that. And it's I not, was going to say, not you, just guys. I think everybody. We have a desire to build and create. Yeah. And I think in general, for whatever dumb reason, I think that the creative things, it's harder for men to feel okay about doing it. There's less opportunities to do it. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Um, there's a stigma attached to working with your hands, which is not appropriate, but there it is. All kinds of reasons. And so the fire pit took all of five minutes to build because there was a bunch of us and everybody just did a thing. And it was great. But single-handedly, I built a bench for the backyard. And it's 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 a corner bench, so it actually you know it turns a corner. That's why they call it that, you know. So it wasn't just a couple of pieces of wood. I spent a long time designing it. You know, a lot of time pencil and paper and figuring out the measurements and what I need because I was really excited about the idea that it wouldn't take a thousand trips to Lowe's, and or it wouldn't cost more than just buying a bench would cost. You know, the bar's low, right? The, I that's that, this is all I'm asking. I want to keep all my digits by the end of it. That kind of a thing. And I have to say that I was very impressed with my plan. I brought it in. I had the the kind gentleman at Lowe's cut the big pieces of wood down so they would fit in the Jeep. And then I spent a, many hours. No, it wasn't many hours. It was it was, it was a total of about... I think it was a about, thousand hours. It wasn't. It was a total of about three, three or four hours, I would say. I mean, all total, mm-hmm. that's, that's probably how much... Not but counting, I think it's appropriate. Not counting all the trips to Lowe's. No, we went to Lowe's twice. Twice. And you know what? So that's not so bad. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, not such a bad thing. Well, and I have to say that it was a wonderful, there was a little bit of a spiritual lesson in it for me, isn't there always? But the thing is, what I didn't realize, and this is a recent thing, back when I was a a young grommet making skateboard ramps, a two by four was more or less two inches by four inches. Mm Mm-hmm. Now a two by four is closer to an inch and a half. Why? I don't know, but it's interesting. I think it's a I don't know cost cutting thing. Maybe what they who knows? But that's just a deal. And in fact, when you walk up really close to the things at Lowe's, right? You know the big rack where the two by fours are. Yeah, because I spent look, my time in the garden department while you were getting all yeah, the lumber. So yeah. I I have no idea. But if you look at the little label, it'll say you know two by four by eight foot or whatever it is. Sure. Because they come in, you know. Yeah, two by four by eight. Yeah. (laughs) But if you look next to it, it'll say actual dimensions. And it's like 1.63 inches. Well, Well, isn't that horrible? And I didn't catch that the first time we were at Lowe's. And so I bought two by fours and all my numbers were surrounded, you know, were were centered around. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you expect it to actually. Water is wet. 
The sun comes up every morning. A two by four should Saint, be a two by four. St. Pete, Florida is the finest city on the face of the earth. There are certain inalienable truths, and one of them is a two by four is two by four, but it's not. And so in my own defense, my plan, I really believe if, if two by fours were actually two by four, wouldn't have had to go back. But I was happy that I was able to improvise a little bit, change my numbers, and the message, the spiritual message is it's great to make your plans, but it's the case that the universe has even better plans. And I have to say that how it ended up looking because of the the thing in the middle that we did and all of that, way cooler. It turned out it, beautifully. Yeah, I'm very proud of it. And it's one of those things that will last a million years. And uh, I'm... Well, I'm, and it's in the perfect spot. Mm-hmm. And the whole time you were doing that, I was working in the garden and I was getting the area around the fire put ready. Um, the kids and I put down weed barrier, and then we had approximately five billion tons of pea gravel mm-hmm. um, to spread, and so we were loading bags of that. And I'm still not completely done, but we managed to get the spot to w- where the bench went all finished mm-hmm. and beautiful and everything. And I'm just so proud of us. Yeah, we're amazing. Did well, you know that? I I sometimes I feel it, but I'm proud that I was able to do a little bit of freeform jazz with two by fours to improvise and make it happen. And once again, the lesson for you out there listening is make your plans, but understand that God has a better idea. And if you go with it, there's something beautiful will happen. And it's something that you'll always remember. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. I like that. But I have to say, I'm also very happy because the drought has ended. Oh, you're talking about yeah, the... you uh, know what I'm talking about. I, am, I know. I know you're talking about the Beyond Burger drought. For whatever reason, they could not keep up with the demand they couldn't keep it in the stores there's a company called beyond meat mm -hmm. and they make a number of vegetarian i think they're also vegan aren't they yes they are and gluten-free but yeah burgers and hot dogs and stuff like that and you know we've been vegetarians for decades now and we have had to suffer the gross vegetarian stuff and pretend like oh no no it takes the place it doesn't take the place of a burger Mm -mm. it it doesn't scratch the itch here's my here's my here's this weird thing yeah i made it out of i made out of kale and anger (laughs) right and sawdust yeah but and so we've we've gone through that and done our best and tried to live compassionate lives in the face of it not being easy right right but this company beyond meat has been around for a couple years now Mm -hmm. and They've been all over the news. I think Bill Gates and a bunch of famous people are investors in it, and it's everywhere. A lot of restaurants are carrying Beyond Burgers now. But we had a church cleanup and cookout a month or so ago, and uh, one of our guys who's a hardcore carnivore said, I could eat these every day. Because they're good. They're very, very yeah, good. they're very Finally, good. technology has caught up. I don't care about flying cars. I want a veggie burger that and I can PS- be proud of. This is not like health food. This is still, you know, I mean, it's still, it doesn't have as many, you know, horrible things for you as red meat does, but it's still not like health food. Yeah, it's not. This is yeah. satisfies the desire for a burger. Yeah, they want a they burger, grill you know. up really nicely mm-hmm. outside on the grill. You know, they're just. Well, I know you've talked about so Beyond good. stuff in your show. In the I have, show. and I use it. I use their chicken. It's great a lot. to cook with mm-hmm. and all that. But um, and our son's gonna have a, a cookout for his birthday in in a couple of weeks and uh, or in a couple of days actually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, that's what he wants to do is grill grill veggie burgers. But anyway, for whatever reason, the world has caught on, 
and the demand has outstripped the supply mm -hmm. by a wide margin and you can't get them. You couldn't get them in the grocery stores. You couldn't get them. Restaurants carry Beyond Burgers, as I said. They've been out of them, everything. But they opened uh, like two, uh, two more, more factories. Mm -hmm. And it's and they're just... adding like so many more jobs. And mm -hmm. it, it's really, really great. But I now mean... they're back in the grocery stores. We had we had a friend of ours call and say, they've got them. At the, they got at them. I saw them. I saw yeah. them on the shelves. And uh, I, we were at a restaurant today after church. We tried a, a new restaurant. And I was delighted to see that they had them on the menu. Mm -hmm. And so just the drought is over. Everybody can go back to living your normal lives. If you can remember what a normal life was before all this happened. Nowadays, we got two by fours that are smaller, but we got veggie burgers that work. So yay for the future. Yeah, right? All is well. And now we'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for July 8th, 2018. The title of the lesson is God is Good, and it is our second in our Water and Stone series. So our scripture today, 1 John 4, 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now I love that for all kinds of reasons. I love that because it's something you already know. Every Sunday school kid has that concept, God is love. Even people who will in the next breath tell you that God is mad at you will tell you that God is love. No matter where you went to church, you probably heard that statement, God is love. Maybe it was confusing sometimes because of some of the other stuff that came out of the mouth of the person saying it. Because of other, some of the other feelings that we might have about God. But you know that God is love because you've heard it over and over again. You sure hear it around here a lot. It says a lot about how we feel about God. Because after all, where is love? Up in the sky? Where is love? You can point to all kinds of examples of love. You can feel certain ways about love. You can look at love on TV in the Hallmark greeting card store in a song on the radio. And all of those are valid. But none of those, exactly none of those, are all there is to love. Where do you experience love? In here, he says trying not to hit his microphone. Where do you experience love? In here. That's so important because it's the same way we experience God. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The idea that, that Scripture is telling us that we're supposed to know God and we're supposed to know love, it's saying it like this is an important thing. In other words, guys, what you're going to want to do you're going to want to know God. You're going to want to know love. It's, there's a behavioral imperative there. The idea is you want this. So much of life hinges on what you want. Think about it. So much of life hinges on what you want. If you don't like your life, take a minute and think about what is it that I really want? What am I going for here? Learn how to communicate that with other people. As the scripture says, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Just seeing if you're awake. What's the goal? Why are we here? I mean, that's the question, right? For some people, the goal is escape, right? Which doesn't make any sense at all. I'm here to leave. 
These are the same people who uh, school is about graduating. And everybody wants to graduate, but if all you're thinking about is graduating, you actually don't learn anything. And five minutes after you handed in your Scantron, you forgot anything that you were supposed to have learned in school. So what's the point? You're not here to graduate. You're here to learn, right? You're not here to escape. You're here to be here. I know. Wow, what a concept. Some people, the goal for them is to win. And I get that. But usually that kind of winning means somebody else has got to lose. There are those people who feel like, for me to get this thing, for me to win, I need other people to be less than. I need other people to lose. I need other people to fail so that I can feel the success. Hmm. That kind of success doesn't get us anywhere, does it? Because it creates boundaries. And eventually it creates a boundary between me and God. So the problem is kind of baked into the solution, if you know what I mean. That can't be it. Being here is not about leaving here. Being here is not about taking it away from somebody else. Being here is not about owning anything, whether it's physically or intellectually. The universe doesn't fit between your ears. We're told that the goal is to know. And I want you to know that your whole life is mediated by what you know. Not what you believe, not what you've read, not what you've memorized, but what you know. There's a difference, isn't there? It's great to, to have a whole pile of self-help books. It's great to go to the meetings and the classes. It's great to own all of the paraphernalia. It's great, for example, to know chapter and verse of Scripture. But it's not the end of anything. If, if anything, it is a gateway to something more. What you can memorize is not the point. Because if you believe, if you talk about how we're all the same and it's all just part of this wonderful energy and oneness and isn't it beautiful that we all sing the same songs and we all have the same ideas, then it's beautiful. But it ain't the whole thing. Because if you talk about that all the time, if that's what you believe up here... That's what you own intellectually, but what you know in your heart is those people over there are weird. You know what I mean? That guy in traffic, those people who vote differently, that thing I saw on the news. That's what you believe. Which one of those things is going to actually determine your life? And together is going to actually determine the kind of world we live in. So it ain't about what you got going on upstairs. It's about what you know. Yeah. Your life is a matter of what you know. So let us be the kind of people who decide to try and know love. That's the secret to all of this. It has to do with finding something that we experience in our hearts and not in a book. Nothing wrong with books, but at best, it's a gateway to something deeper. So ask yourself, of what you know, do the things that I know when I think about, do the things that get my attention, the things that I'm passionate about, do they take me away or do they bring me here? Do they bring me in? Do they bring me home? Work on things that bring you in instead of things that send you out. Some people spend so much time trying to find a God that's somewhere far away. But like I said, the problem is baked into the solution with that kind of a pursuit. Because if my paradigm is far awayness, I'm never going to get to oneness. Right? Something different has to happen. A different set of ideas have to happen. 
God isn't something that you can go after. God isn't something that you can get to show up because where is God? Let's quit those ideas, the ideas of distance, whether I'm trying to get to God or I'm trying to get God to come for a visit. God already has custody. I checked. So it ain't about that. It's not about even trying to understand God. You know, I used to think that. I used to think that if I read enough books, I could understand God. When I was young and I was in seminary, I have a degree in theology, which is like philosophy, but centered around Theo from the Cosby Show. No, it's... <laughs> theology is like God philosophy, right? So I spent a lot of time in school reading about people talking and thinking about God and these wonderful, beautiful intellectual arguments for Good versus evil, let's say, for, for the presence of God, for all kinds of amazing, beautiful things. And to me, reading that even now is like reading poetry. I know, weird, right? But I love it. But when I was young and I was in seminary, I thought those answers were the answers to everything. I thought sooner or later, I or somebody like me is going to figure out the right words to write and we will prove God. Case closed and then we can work on other things. I really thought that was the deal. Does it ever work that way? Hang on, let me, let me compress that down for a minute. Is love something you can prove? You can read a lot of books. There's a lot of great books about how to get your relationships in order, and I recommend all of them. Be a student of this, but understand one more time. This is three. One more time. Those books, at best, are a gateway to something else. They ain't the answer. You're the answer, Right? And in fact, if you're with somebody romantically and you go, I've got them all figured out, I hope you have labeled all of your possessions. <laughs> because the name of the game is not, I know everything about what makes you tick. That's not it. The name of the game is, I have no idea what you're doing, but I am so grateful for a front row seat. That's love. I can't figure you out. I ain't here to figure you out. I'm here to celebrate with you. And the party is not something that you have proven, right? Love is not what, a, what you can figure out. Love is beyond that. It breaks that boundary. So that's the small version. Let's blow that back up, right? Because God is love. So here's the thing that I learned that I want to share with you. A God that can be proven is no God at all. A God that can be proven is no God at all. A God that can fit into some kind of intellectual perception leaves too much out. So, you know, if you want to talk about the arguments for the existence of God, I've got some favorite ones. I love that stuff. I could talk to you about that until the cows come home, and then we can talk about arguments for the existence of cows if you want. I'll keep going. But that's not where it's at. The truth is, we can talk about books all day, but I'd rather hand you a donut. Think about it. There's something magical about that. I'm so grateful that Jordan brings us donuts every Sunday because think about the magic of that. If I'm alone with a box of donuts, soon it will just be a box. Full or not, I can eat however many of them there are. When I have one in my hand, I think of the words I say during every wedding ceremony when I'm talking about the rings. By their shape, the circle, the line, which knows no end. They represent the love of God, which is forever. <laughs> oh.
But the truth is, there's something beautiful about that because donuts have no nutritional value. There's no point. You can't argue for the, the, the reason why a donut. And yet, oh, they're so good, man. Now, that's not a perfect example, but it'll get me where I want to go because the idea is there are things about your life that are beyond evidence that just are good. That's where God lives, beyond what you can argue for and into what you just know. That's where God lives, and that's what will pull you through whatever it is you've got going on. When you're quiet and still, that thing that has been calling to you and pulling on you and mediated through and defined by and translated through whatever else you've got going on, at the end of the day, that thing that's been pulling on you is God. And it has pulled you through everything you have gone through. And it will accelerate to the degree that you let yourself pick up your feet and be carried. In some ways, the story of you being carried and going through this is the same as a story of, really, of humanity. As we work through our ideas about who and what God is. Imagine, if you will, uh, early people. I'm not talking about like before 6 a.m. I mean, I'm talking about way back. Before America Online, even. Think about way back. Imagine a tribal people, and they've got, I don't know, fishing and farming and things like that figured out. That's not enough. There are people now who know how to get food in their house. They're not different. But that's not enough because you see, God calls you to ask the big questions. And back then they go, okay, well, I've got this figured out, but why? What does it mean? How does love work? How does life work? How does art work? What? That's God calling. But that call gets mediated through, you know, whatever you already got going on, whatever you got in front of you. So it's very easy for a tribal person to go, hey, there's a tree. Okay, God's the tree. Now, I'm leaving some steps out, but that's the essence of it, right? All of a sudden, there's this holy tree. And you know what? There's good things about having, you can go visit the tree. I know where God is in the forest. You can hug a tree if you really want to. That's kind of cool. God's right there. We might laugh a little bit because a small God means a small set of miracles. But you know, there are people even now that have the equivalent of a tree. There's this thing you go and visit and you know exactly where it is and it is the source of your being, identity, ultimate concern, fill in the blank. Most people aren't into trees so much anymore. But think about how many people you know who go to a special place Monday through Friday to worship at that altar and they do things that they don't understand but they do them because you have to to make the whole thing go. Mm, there are tree worshipers at most large corporations. Who'd have thought? The problem with a tree is that, well, what if there's a forest fire? What if you got to leave? Small God, small miracles. But sooner or later, to the degree that you pick yourself up and let yourself be carried, that call for bigger answers will take you out of the forest and into the clearing where all of a sudden there's a sky, there's something bigger. And in the history of humanity, we see people start to worship big things like the sun, right? And there's beauty there because all of a sudden, wherever I am, that thing happens. And it helps me get along with other people because the same sun shines down on everybody. It's no longer a matter of my tree. It's our sun. That's pretty cool. And just like I said, this is still a popular idea. Not everybody worships the sun because now we know about SPF, but... 
There are lots of people for whom God is this thing up in the sky, right? There are a lot of people who don't even call it God. They call it something like luck. It's this thing somewhere else. I can't really do anything about it. Or, well, I did this thing today because I'm a Sagittarius. Whatever, it's somewhere far away. Different people have different names for it, but just changing the nouns is not enough. Once again, there's good things about the faraway sky God, but there's bad things too because if God's up there, there's nothing I can do about it. If God's up there, all I'm left with is my own loneliness. If God's up there, who cares? The sun doesn't. If God's up there, who cares? And that's the thing. I want you and me to have a religion that passes the who cares test. I want you and me to have a life that passes the who cares test. Because that kind of flippant question at the essence of it is something that will pull you into knowing and past intellectualization. Who cares? I do. It's not up there. There's a call in me. After all, once again, if God is love, where do you experience love? Well, all kinds of places. You can point to all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, here. And all of a sudden, it's not in a tree or a talisman or a thing I go and visit or a thing I go and buy. It's not somewhere far away and removed from me. But I find God where I find love. And I begin to do my work there. And love, man, oh man, once you give yourself to that, all of a sudden everything changes. Because man, oh man, once you give yourself to that, your stuff gets out of the way. Love is the beginning of something. Because love will pull you into selflessness. Where it's not you and your needs anymore. But there's something bigger. It stops being a push. And it starts being a pull. That's how you know you're onto something. Which is a very fancy way of saying everything changes when you change what you want. I'm going to say that again. It's important. Everything changes when you change what you want. Joel Goldsmith, the, the great writer and healer and teacher, said that back in the old days, people had ten different gods. And they'd ask each god for a different thing. And he said, we think we're smarter now because we ask for ten things from one god. But it's the same stuff. Once again, changing the nouns isn't the deal. Are we really that different? Oh, I don't talk to that old God anymore, but now I have this thing hanging from my rearview mirror that tells me what to do. Well, okay, well, it's not any different. It doesn't matter where you go. If you're asking for the same things, you're going to have the same life. If you want a different life, start to want a different thing. And so ask yourself what it is that you want. This is a big deal. This is the key to so much. Ask yourself what you want. And it's okay if it's a secret. It's okay if it's something you write in a journal that nobody else is allowed to see. It's okay. Start where you start. But ask yourself what it is that you want, even if it's a small thing like, I would like a hoagie, whatever it is. I would like a donut. Whatever it is, start there. But use the power that God gave every child to ask why. Why is an important weapon in your arsenal? Why do you want that thing? Oh, well, I want it because why do you want that? Oh, well, because why do you want that? Something amazing happens when you why yourself into submission. 
Remember, the whole point of this exercise is to get out of God's way, right? Something amazing happens if you can just ask yourself why until you run out of explanations. Think about it. If I get to that place where I just do, well, wait a minute, that's where God lives. God lives in the place of just is. God lives in the place beyond explanations to this place where we just, there's the word, know. And that's how it feels when you get to that place where you just know when you're, you're done with your ego stuff. Why do you want this thing? I don't know, because it feels good. Well, why do you want to feel good? Oh, because there's good inside me. Usually it takes a lot more steps than that. But you will get to a place where it just is. That's where God lives. Put another way, you know you're getting close to something when you stop asking for more of the same and you start asking for something that's unknown. I mean, think about it. A lot of people, when you ask them what they want, if you won the lottery, what would you do? If you had a magic wand or whatever, what would you do? A lot of people start by asking for more and bigger. I got a house, I want a bigger house. I got money, I want more money. I want this and that and the other. I want my muscles to be bigger, my life to be bigger, my car to be bigger, whatever it is. That's childish. It's okay to start there, but we'll get past there because it's time to grow up. You'll know you're getting close when you start asking things that are unknown to you. For example, I've never known love. I want love. There's something beautiful about going into uncharted territory because, once again, that's where God lives. That's where God lives. To the place where you haven't been yet. Because think about that. Think about that. If you want something you've never experienced before, that it didn't come from you. You don't know what it is yet. If you want something you didn't experience before, it came from God. And we have gone from a place of wants into a place of desire. That's a powerful word. You know the root of that word. You know where it comes from, right? Desire means of the Father. Did you know that? Sire means Father, of the Father. We begin to realize that our job is to get past the, the ego once and the selfishness once and the separation once and into what does God want? What is of the Father in my life? What is it that I can do to serve and to love and to show the world what love is? What can I do to get to where what God wants is what's important, what I'm working for? The desire. How, in other words, can I get out of the way? We get to that place where we realize that the things that we want, when we're clear, the things that we want have been wanting us. The things that we seek have been seeking us. The things that we're looking for have been looking for us. All we got to do is, where's Waldo? And go, hey, right here. It's no more a matter of going to get God or getting God to show up. It's a matter of opening a door. That's why we're here. Find a way to open a door to the oneness that has been calling you from the beginning. It has, you know. That's what everybody wants. We're born in this place of oneness, and everybody wants to get back to it. Everything that everybody ever does is a matter of trying to satisfy that loneliness, that hunger to reconnect. So when you look at other people and they do a dumb thing, guess what? People do dumb things. 
I've done like seven today. When somebody does a dumb thing, let's be the kind of people who go, you know what, they're just trying to satisfy that hunger to get back to something. Maybe they got a weird set of ideas for how to do that, because people do. Not everybody knows what you know. And they know things that you don't know. So maybe it's okay. The oneness has been calling you to get back to, and different people have different ways to satisfy that. Some people have some weird ideas. Some people feel like in order to not have to deal with the oneness, I'm going to put a lot of stuff on myself. I'm going to give myself a lot of layers of abstraction. I work a job that I don't want to work because I want money. I don't really care about money, but I want to feed my family. And I'm not a caterer. I'm not really here to feed, but I want happiness. And it's about, you know, and so here's what I'm doing, and here's God way over here, and there's all these layers of different things. And some people spend all their time trying to pack And I guess it's a good dodge because it means I don't have to think about the big questions. Why are we here and what is love? I don't know. I got a soccer game. You know what I mean? There's armor there. And in the great boring plane ride of some people's lives, they really want to just fiddle around with peanuts and do Sudoku to pass the time. And that's exactly what they're doing. But the thing is, time's going to pass one way or the other. Why not use it to make a difference? Why not use it to figure out who you are? That's what's calling you. If you want to get to that place, get to a place of oneness instead of separation. So ask yourself, how many layers of abstraction are between me and God? Can I take some out? Ask yourself, how many steps do I got to go through? Ask yourself, how far away is God? Ask yourself, when I pray, who am I talking to? That's a good question. Because some people, no matter how enlightened it sounds, how many books they've read, some people are still praying the prayer of God, will you please come to get me? Please. Can you swoop down and fix me? Or really, if we want to decode it, can you please validate my current way of existing? Because I don't want to change, but things are hard. Can you just fix the things and not me? God, please don't change me. Please fix all these idiots around me. Does that ever work? Is the whole world crazy or you? You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Take a minute. So many people pray the prayer of God, will you please show up? And in fact, you're not thinking of God anymore. You're thinking of Batman. For some people, the prayer is like putting the bat signal up and maybe he'll swoop down and he's got something cool in his utility belt and he will beat up the Joker. And stay tuned for next week because there's always a next week with that kind of a paradigm. There's always another problem because I didn't change. Mm, No more of that superhero prayer because as it turns out, God is not a superhero. Here's the quote, Lessons in Truth. God is not a being having qualities, but rather God is those qualities themselves. God is not a being having qualities, but rather God is those qualities themselves. And in English, what that means, for example, is that God is not a strong guy somewhere. So many people pray the prayer of God, strong guy down there. Will you come and help me, you know, pull my car or the the metaphysical equivalent? God, will you show up and flex a little bit and make this thing happen? Because if God is a strong guy somewhere, it just leaves too much out. Because if all the strength is over there, well, it's not where it's needed, for one thing, right? And it makes a small God, and that makes small miracles. God is not a being having qualities. God is not a strong guy. God is not a big loving guy somewhere. You're thinking of Santa. And that's great. Big Santa fan. But that's not what we're talking about right now. God is not a guy who's nice. 
Oh, that God. God's not a nice guy somewhere because, once again, it leaves too much out. If all the love is somewhere up in the sky, what's the point? Once again, it needs to satisfy the who cares question. God is not a being having qualities, but God is those qualities themselves. In other words, God is not a strong guy, but rather God is strength. And whenever strength is happening, when I'm working to have this thing happen, when I do a good day's labor, when we work to understand something, wherever strength is happening, that's God happening. My job is not to make God show up, but to recognize that what I'm doing is the divine in action. And my job is to try to have a pure offering. Not to make God happen. Not to work against God. Some people do that. They try to set a trap for God or something. Think about it. But rather, can I have the strength that I exhibit be a pure example of God's strength? God is not a loving guy. God is love. And wherever there's love happening, that song on the radio, yeah, I like Lionel Richie too, but that's not all there is. He was in the Commodores first. You know, there's, there's not all there is. Sometimes he doesn't know what he's going to say. There's love all over the place, and all of it is valid, but none of it is all there is to God, right? We've talked about this. God is not a loving guy. Wherever love is happening, that's God happening. And I think it's kind of funny in the way that the scripture says, whoever does not know love does not know God, because the truth is, you know love. Love is the only thing that has been true about you when everything else has gone away. Love is at the heart of the things that you do and the words that you say and who you are. The question is, how do you exhibit that love? How do you listen to that love? How do you let that love rule in your life? It's easy for love to get caught up with ego and possession and all kinds of junk. I get it. We've all done that. But can you let... Love rule today. That love that you have in your heart is God happening. It's not all there is to God. I say that you are God happening. You're not all there is to God any more than a teacup is all there is to the ocean. You can't surf in a teacup. Don't try anymore. It's time for bigger. We've all tried. You know exactly what I mean. It's time for more. You begin to realize that that thing that you've wanted has been wanting you. That love in your heart is God calling you to go and do and be more. The ideas that we used to have about where God lived and how God wasn't paying attention just aren't going to cut it anymore. Who cares? I do. Is now going to be our answer to whatever comes up. Who cares? You do. Because there is a love in your heart that is so much bigger than anything else you got going on. There is a power and a strength in your heart that is so much bigger than any problem you're facing tomorrow. I know whose kid you are. You are the divine in action. And as soon as you know that, everything will change. You don't have to worry about anything else. Just set that free. Because, after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. So the main thing that obviously people should get out of this whole lesson is God's not a guy, right? I <laughs> yeah, mean, well, I mean, that's a big part of it. I think that as we say all the time, you're not going to get an experience of God any bigger than your conception of God. 
But the thing that I really wanted to to add to that today is that it's not just your intellectual perception of God. Because we can say a lot of things that make intellectual sense. As I said at the top of the talk, every Sunday school kid knows that God is love intellectually. We talk about it. It's in the Bible in a few places. It's something that every kid, even in a religion that preaches fire and brimstone and sinners in the hands of an angry God, will still tell you that God is love. And that cognitive dissonance comes from the fact that you can intellectually own a thing. Sure. But not know it in your heart. Well, and that's the difference. You can read tons of books. Mm -hmm. You can say your affirmations. You can... Think about this stuff until the cows come home. Mm-hmm. You really can, and there is there is a beauty to that. And I, and you sure. spoke and you spoke to that. You know when you were talking about when you were getting your your degree in theology yeah. and when you were in seminary and everything. And I but, remember those days. And I remember having these beautiful conversations with you and these intellectual thoughts and really having the breakdown of how that would work and. We and were here's young. what St. Anselm said, and well, here's yeah. what and, and this we were young, did, and, and I yeah. think that there is that passion that only youth can bring, and you know, you're fearless, and you're you're just the desire to just change everything and to upset the apple cart. Mm-hmm. I think we absolutely had that, and I think every generation has. Well, that. and I think that 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 is healthy, but I think that the thing that youth brings to it too, not always, but I'll speak for myself. Although, you know, remember how it was when you were a teenager, everybody listening. I think that for me, that drive was also mixed in with a fair bit of ego. Oh, absolutely. And ego separates, like we talk mm-hmm. about, and ego tries to own, right. right? And so the idea of trying to prove God is an egotistical venture. It's trying to own God intellectually. And just like I tried to make the comparison in the talk, it's like trying to own love. All, when you try to own it, it ceases being the thing. It ceases being love, and it becomes a chemical reaction or some kind of uh, uh, compatibility. It's not love anymore. The process of studying it alters the thing irrevocably. And in the same way, trying to prove God, in order for God to fit between my ears, I have to make such a straw man of God. I have to boil God down to this thing that that I can understand. And over and over again in scripture, that's not how God works. The law is written in your heart, not in your brain. And there's that great part in Job where where Job basically, you know, we should do a whole thing about that. Maybe I'll do a talk about that sometime. Oh, that'll be nice. I would like I that. like that part of the Bible. I really do. And I think it gets I think it a lot of times it gets a bad rap. It does. And actually maybe the we should do a series about the the parts of the Bible that people don't want to look at. Oh, that might, might not be, be interesting. a bad idea. You know, well, and and the parts that people just skip over. Yeah, you know, because I don't want to deal with yeah. the They want to get to the good stories. Mm-hmm. Sure. And they want to get to the feel good. Can we get to the part where you know, blessed are the peacemakers? Yeah. And the thing is, there's this part where Job. There's more to the story, but in essence, in this one part, Job is coming at this from an intellectual place, saying, "I did this. How come this?" Mm-hmm. And in a sense, trying to fit God between his ears. And God basically says, do you have any idea how beautiful and awesome and unfathomable this world is, this life is? There is so much more than you can ever prove. 
and you can climb the highest mountain and swim the deepest sea and count all the hairs on your head and everything in between and you're not getting any closer to what this thing is. There's something in your heart that has to happen. And, you know, the story of Job goes a different place, but there's that moment, that theodicy moment, where all of a sudden we realize that this is not about intellectual stuff. And as I said in the talk, a God that can be proven is no God. Well, it reminds me, I think it was a Family Guy episode, Mm -hmm. and it was making fun of the feather scene in, in Forrest Gump. And, you know, Peter Griffin is looking at it. He's like, oh, wow, everything is okay in the universe. Look at the feather and just look at the beauty. And God is screaming, you know, from heaven going, do you, do you have any idea how, you know, <laughs> how complicated, complicated your, your circul- circulatory yeah. system is? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, just, it's just like that to where I think we over-intellectualize. And, and I know that in my youth I was probably terribly pedantic. You know, I knew everything because but that's I had the teenage read it. Thing. And, well, and it's the young person thing, and and I like to think I've grown out of it a bit. Well, maybe you, not completely, you I, well, but a bit. You know bit. what? Here we are. But you and I, and I think most adults, have been through a series of things that have broken them open in different ways. Have been faced with things that are beyond explanation. Well, like when you and, really face the birth of. A yeah, child. when a doctor hands you a baby, right. there's no there's no textbook for that. Not no. really. Dr. Spock aside, there's nothing for you except there's just this pure love. Well, and and, and at our age, you know, we have faced the death of, of loved ones mm-hmm. and people that we really genuinely are close to and care about and in the face of that and the face of real scary times of different kinds of scares sure. and different kinds well, of and heartache. These you know, moments. and I think you can't you can't put bookends on those. You well, have and to. That's where God lives. Right. Right. Exactly. That's the idea. We were watching uh, last night. We were watching one of my favorite shows, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It's on Netflix. Jerry Seinfeld. I love the show because it's Jerry talking to stand up comics. And mm-hmm. I love inside baseball. You know, right. when people are talking about their process and how they get there. I, I'm such a fan of that. I love autobiographies for the same reason. Mm-hmm. I love the inside baseball stuff. But he was talking to Dana Carvey. From, no, he was talking to Brian Regan. Well, no, we're talking about a different thing. Oh, we are? Yeah. Okay. There's a great Brian Regan thing in there, too. Okay, so I want to do that one because that's yeah. the one I was thinking of. Well, he was talking to Dana Carvey, and Dana Carvey said, what are the things that, that your most emotional moments, what is what does it for you, basically? And uh, the the conclusion was that when somebody called me dad for the first time. I remember that one. And Dana Carvey says, you know, you're known, you're famous. Dana, uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld is one of the most famous people out there. You know, yeah. and been Million, famous. Millions of people yeah, know and his has, name. has been famous for years, right? right? So it's one of those things where he is known all over the world. There's millions of people know him, but there's only three people that call him dad. And Jerry Seinfeld is notoriously aloof. Mm-hmm. And I love that about him. But he said, you're going to make me cry. And as a dad, I really, uh, I hate this word, but it's the word I'm going to use. I really resonated with that. It made sense to me. It hit home with me. Because that's where it is. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't matter. I mean, Darwinian stuff is we just pass on our biology and we have a desire to protect or whatever. But that doesn't touch that feeling. Right. When those two people call me dad, forget it. Forget it. That's where God lives. There's these moments that are so far beyond the donut moments of this doesn't make 
intellectual sense, but it makes heart sense. Those moments of this is where love is. And the thing that I, I said in the talk that I really want people to carry with them is take your desires to a place you haven't been before. It's childish and immature to just want more of the same, more and bigger, more and bigger, more and bigger. And I understand that. Everybody's been there. But be brave and let your desires take you to a place you haven't been. That's where God lives. And in fact, that's the that's Brian the, Regan that's moment, That's the Brian right? Regan moment because he was talking about, you know, everybody gets butterflies, you know, before they go on to perform or before they do anything. Mm-hmm. But he was saying, but those are the times that you remember. He's like... Follow the butterflies. Let the butterflies happen and and experience that because that is where memories are made. That's where you touch the divine. Yeah. You know, it was such, all of your and it was such oh, a powerful moment. Yeah, you know? and all of the moments you remember most in your life that are pivotal moments, you probably had butterflies in your stomach yep. right before. Right. Yeah. That's the butterflies the thing. are the memory. Makers. So welcome the butterflies because they are the harbingers of of memory. Right, and that's gorgeous. And that's kind of what we're trying to say today. The fundamental ideas of water and stone, what I want everybody to say, well, what is it that you weirdos believe in? You know, we can talk about all kinds of things. I can give you books to read. I'm in the process of writing more of them. But at the end of the day, what I want our people to know is, here's what we believe. God is good. You are good. Go do good. If you know that, you're on the right track. I don't care about wheedling over the details. That's it. If you know, and this is the topic for today, God is good. We'll talk about the other two in the in the coming weeks. But if you really know that there is just God and the ground of our being is this unifying presence that isn't just loving, but is love itself. That's what everything is made out of. If you know that that is table stakes, everything else is going to work out. You're made out of something amazing. And you touch it when you get out of your own way and let love rule. Everything else will be all right. It's time to check it out. And if again, if you have made it this far in the podcast, congratulations. Woo. We're just going to talk a few minutes about where you can get in contact with us, what we're up to, how you can stay connected, and all of that good stuff. In the first place, as always, if you want to know what's happening with us, go check out our website. That's waterandstonechurch.com. It's going to have every time we gather. It's going to have our podcast. It's going to have our YouTube page. It's going to have the blog. It's going to have everything that you need. All the links to our social media. There's usually maps and directions. It has everything that you need. And I have to say, I'm very proud of our website. It's a a pretty site. It's a pretty site. And you can even find all the prayers that we use, our inclusivity statement, Everything. Yeah, I'm particularly proud of. Go and spend some of, time there. Yeah, and hunt around because some of the things are not in the top nav. There's a bottom nav. Some of the things come up as you read through. I'm really proud of the blog, for example. But I am particularly if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's the footer nav, as they call it. I'm particularly proud of our manifesto and our inclusivity statement. Absolutely. Good stuff going on. Absolutely. There. Take a look at those things. The second way that you can stay connected to us is through our messaging system. And you'll have to text I am ready, all one word, I A M R E A D Y, to 84576. And that is going to enable you to get our weekly newsletter. 
It will give you up-to-date text messages about what's going on with us. If we have a service project that week, if where we're meeting, if, we're, if we just happen to be having lunch together, um, all of it. So go ahead and sign up to stay extra connected with us. I really want you to subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can find that by going to the bottom of any page of our website, waterandstonechurch.com. But at the top of the website, there's a link that says watch. And that talks all about our YouTube channel and all of the amazing things that are going on. We've got clips from Sunday services. We've got some series that I've I've put together about what we believe in in a little bit more depth, all kinds of stuff. But really the star of the show is a show called This Day. Yeah, and it is my heart. It is my soul. And I now have a separate YouTube channel, but mm-hmm. you can still get You can get there it from the watch from page. The, from the watch page. So just go there, subscribe, and... And let me know what you think. Go go, give it a look-see. But the most important thing that we would like for you to be included in is our Sunday morning worship services. Yeah. And that happens every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. at USF St. Pete Harbor Hall. And the address there is 1000 3rd Street South. Again, we meet at 11 a.m. It's not too late. It's not too early. <laughs> you can come out. You can get a little brunch later on. You can get a little brunch beforehand. But there is nothing like it. What we are doing is something completely unique. You will not be sorry that you came. We have amazing music. We have an amazing worship service. And just the people that are there are just really welcoming and warm. And I wouldn't want to be any other place on a Sunday I got to tell you, I look forward to it all week long. And we really try to innovate in some ways, but one of the big innovations at Water and Stone is we looked back at some of the things that church ought to be doing that hasn't been doing for a long time, and we're trying to bring that back and make it relevant in the 21st century, and we're always going to be tweaking it, and it's always going to be wonderfully rough around the edges, but it is just home for a growing group of people. We'd like you to be one of them. podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios on the Orange Couch. And the zippity doo da day of Pinfeather Studios is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She edits these podcasts, does so many things for us, and she is one half of the music you hear. The other half is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. Man, the band was good today, by the way. It was really good. You need to come to church and, and, and hear these guys play. It is astounding. This podcast is solely supported by you. And you know what that means. It means that you should share what we do, reblog it, post it on Facebook, like it, retweet it, email it to somebody. It means you should go to uh, iTunes and write a five-star review and all of that kind of stuff. There's a place on the website where you can learn about how to donate electronically or how to shop at Amazon in ways that benefit the church. Please do all of those things. But at the end of the day, the number one thing that you can do is show up. Be there for one of our events, for one of our service projects. Be there for our amazing men's group or women's group. Be there for a Sunday service at 11 o'clock. I promise it's going to change your life.